This is The Space Shot, episode 157, for October 18th, 2017. Galileo. Hey everyone, welcome to The Space Shot, your daily space history, pop culture, and news fix. I'm John Mulnix. The Galileo spacecraft launched on October 18, 1989, as part of the STS-34 mission with the Space Shuttle Atlantis. The crew of Atlantis deployed Galileo just a few hours into the mission. We'll get back to STS-34 in just a bit. Now I want to talk about Galileo. The spacecraft spent six years getting to Jupiter due to a couple of reasons. Quote, the Galileo mission had originally been designed for a direct flight of about three and a half years to Jupiter using a planetary three-stage inertial upper stage. When this vehicle was canceled, plans were changed to use a liquid-fueled Centaur upper stage, but due to safety concerns after the Challenger accident, NASA canceled the use of the Centaur on the space shuttle, and Galileo was moved to a two-stage inertial upper stage. This, however, made it impossible for the spacecraft to fly directly to Jupiter. To save the project, Galileo engineers designed a new and remarkable six-year interplanetary flight path using planetary gravity assists. With the upper stage selected, and with the shuttle finally launched, Galileo was on its way to Jupiter via an indirect path that many missions to the outer planets must take. The solid fuel upper stage, quote, accelerated the spacecraft out of Earth orbit towards the planet Venus for the first of three planetary flybys, or gravity assists, designed to boost Galileo towards Jupiter. In a gravity assist, the spacecraft flies close enough to a planet to be propelled by its gravity, creating a slingshot effect for the spacecraft. Galileo performed important science during this cruise to Jupiter. First, it completed a flyby of Venus, passing by that planet at a distance of about 10,000 miles. Then it continued back towards Earth, flying within 597 miles of the planet it had launched from on February 10, 1990. Finally, flying by Earth again on December 8, 1992, it came within 188 miles of our planet during its last flyby. During the first flyby, the spacecraft was used to observe Venus, gathering views of clouds on that planet, and obtaining new information on the atmosphere of that world. During the cruise to Jupiter, it was discovered that the high-gain, umbrella-like antenna on the top of Galileo wouldn't properly deploy. The high-gain antenna would have allowed for faster data rates for the information being sent back to the Deep Space Network ground stations here on Earth. Thankfully, ground controllers were still able to use the low-gain antennas to accomplish most of the mission objectives. After the antenna situation had been worked around, Galileo still had a ways to go before arriving at Jupiter. On October 29, 1991, Galileo, quote, became the first spacecraft ever to encounter an asteroid, passing within 1,000 miles of Gaspra. Two years later, on August 28, 1993, it flew by a second, larger asteroid named Ida, and it was discovered that Ida has its own small moon, later named Dactyl, which is less than a mile wide. The mission continued to bring back incredible science when the spacecraft team instructed Galileo to collect data on the impact of comet Shoemaker-Levy 9 into Jupiter. I'm linking to these images in the show notes, as they are truly spectacular. 
The speed that the cometary fragments were traveling at when they impacted Jupiter meant that there were massive amounts of energy released in those collisions. One of the fragments that impacted Jupiter had the energy equivalent of 6 million megatons of TNT, hundreds of times as much power as all of the nuclear weapons on Earth put together. I'll talk more about the Galileo mission on December 7th and 8th, since those are the days of the anniversary of the Galileo atmospheric probe entering Jupiter's atmosphere, and the date of the orbital insertion burn for the Galileo spacecraft into Jupiter's orbit. Now back to Earth for a second. The crew on STS-34, Commander Donald Williams, Pilot Michael McCulley, and Mission Specialists Shannon Lucid, Ellen Baker and Franklin Chang Diaz spent nearly five days in space conducting experiments on crystal growth and running Earth observation experiments. The crew also studied the fluid shifts that occur in the human body when it's exposed to weightlessness. Examining the effects of microgravity on the human body is essential because any extended duration mission to the Moon or Mars will need to address how the human body reacts to no or minimal gravity. As always, the show notes have more information on today's episode. Be sure to connect with me on Instagram and Twitter. Find me at John Molnix. I'm always up to chat. You can also connect with me on Facebook. Just search the space shot or click the link in the show notes. Let me know what you think of the podcast by leaving a review in iTunes. It takes just a minute to do that, and it makes a huge difference because it helps even more people find the show. I'd also appreciate it if you could share the space shot with your friends and family and anyone else that enjoys podcasts. Tomorrow, we finally catch up on what I've been reading lately, and we catch up on some news for this week. I'm John Molnix, and I'll catch you on the flip side.